You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season six, episode nine. Curiosity and play are two of the primary colors of creativity. When you mix these with whimsical joy and childlike wonder, you have the ingredients for making art that blossoms with life and lightheartedness. Earlier this year, I connected with an artist whose work exudes these qualities and brings a smile to the face of her viewers without ever losing the anchor or depth of artistic integrity. Ashley Mary is a Minnesota-based muralist and abstract artist whose paintings tap into concepts of youth and playfulness through the use of thick textures, vibrant colors, and organic and familiar shapes. Her murals and product designs can be seen nationwide in large-scale collaborations with brands such as Google, Starbucks, and Anthropology. Outside of her work as an artist, Ashley is the co-founder and creative director of Curiosity Studios, a creative learning space for those stuck and blocked. You can find links to Ashley's work and to the Curiosity Studios in the show notes of this episode. This is my conversation on Curiosity and Play with Ashley Mary. Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me on Makers and Mystics. I'm honored to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. You know, it's always a breath of fresh air whenever I see one of your posts come up on Instagram because everything is lively, everything is vibrant, everything makes me take a deep breath and not take myself so serious. And it just allows me to return to that whimsical place that I think we all need to stay in touch with. That's about the nicest compliment I could get. So thank you. I love that that's the the feeling you get when you look at it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to talk with you because uh, you'll be the first muralist that we've had oh, on the wow. show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say I do not represent all muralists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Cool. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I did first notice about your work that really drew me to it is that it does embody such a spirit of playfulness and such a spirit of curiosity. And both of of those things are close to my heart. I believe that play is one of the foundational elements of creative expression. So I'd I'd love to hear your take on some of that. Yeah, gosh, those two words are um, kind of at the core of my my ethos of of life, but uh, definitely of my artwork. As somebody who's not like classically trained in fine art, I kind of fell into it. And um, I've always used the analogy that I like felt like got tipped down the hill and I'm rolling and I just kind of keep saying I'm like shouting yes as I roll down the hill. (laughs) And and sometimes I like fling off of a thing that's on on the hill. But I think a big part of what I'm, I guess, doing with my life or my businesses is saying yes to things. And that, you know, that's, you hear that that's like a rule in improv, right? Just to say yes and to see what happens next. And um, I believe in that. And I think that at the core of saying yes is curiosity because you want, you're curious to see what happens when you do that, um, especially in the moments where you're, you're not quite sure. 
and what that outcome is going to be. So I try to engage all my t- materials. I try to engage my clients. I try to engage um, my myself, my understanding of myself with a posture of asking questions, being open to the results and um, not trying to be too planful. And I think for me, playfulness isn't it's not the opposite of being planful but if i plan too much i lose the opportunity to be surprised and that has been kind of um, a constant pattern in a lot of what i'm trying to do whether it's work or life i try to really leave room to be surprised and i find that usually my favorite moments of something whether it's a piece i'm making or an interaction with a human or a meal, anything is, is that little moment where I didn't really plan. And I left room for some spontaneity, some improv, um, Mm -hmm. some play to happen. So yeah, I love that you asked that question plays super important to me. I'm really glad that you pick up on that theme in my work. It's just been huge for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that you do some measure of work that is commission based, you know, I've seen that you've, yeah. you've done murals in Starbucks and in different businesses. I'm yeah. Cu- yeah, I'm curious how your love for playfulness and surprise and curiosity, how does that work in a context where maybe the people that have commissioned you have put certain parameters around the work? Totally. That's, um, that's a great question. And I actually just interacted I had kind of a specific conversation about this recently with a large corporate client that I was doing a piece for. And some of the feedback they were giving me um, was starting to make me feel like, let's say if my volume starts at like a 10 in the morning or like in the beginning, I shouldn't say in the morning, but in the beginning process of concepting for a client, it started to feel like my volume was being turned down, but not Mm. by me. But Mm. like the client was asking me to turn my volume down. And to your point, like, yes, you need to honor the fact that um, you're changing this somebody else's space, but it's still their space and they need to feel good in it. And when they get to work every day, they need to feel energized. They need to feel calm in the right moments. It's their energy that's going to be affected by the space, not, not me in that space. But uh, what I try to always remind clients of or, or or rather even remind myself of is a client's choosing me because of what they know I bring to the table. And so the best thing I can do for a client is to constantly stay true to what I believe in, which is needing to do work that comes from a space of joy in me. So if they are starting to chip away at that or like starting to turn the volume down too much it's on it's on me it's my job to ask myself do i feel joy in doing this if i execute this idea will it be from a place of joy or will i be spiteful resentful maybe bummed out like sad to do it and if that's the case i need to come back to the client and articulate that just as much as I said it, you know, in it, in it, I literally will tell clients, like, if I get to this point with this design, I'm not going to enjoy doing it. And you won't, you won't love the result because what the secret ingredient is to what I'm making is that it comes from a place of genuine joy and genuine playfulness. And I never want to force something. So there's a bit of gut check that I'm responsible for. Nobody else is. I'm my own advocate. Nobody else is responsible for advocating my vision, but me, but then also acknowledging that somebody else's space and they need to also feel joy in it. So I think for me, it's 
having a relationship with the client, knowing that they chose me for my work, that they can trust my voice, and then taking the responsibility where I can. And I'll push back on clients. I think enough creatives don't feel safe in that space, but it, it gets easier to do the more you do it. So the more I say no, or what about this, or, or push, a lot of times my clients are really receptive to that and really really sweet and they get it. And I think everybody wants people to work from a place of, I think people want you to be happy in your work. Mm. You know, no one's like, I want to hire her, but I hope she hates this whole process. People, (laughs) people want you to enjoy that. I do think at the end of the day, people do want that. So reminding them that making sure they're happy, it's a relationship. It's not just a transaction and to remember that people are human. Um, And sometimes their feedback maybe is just coming from a place of not understanding your vision. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe you're having a bad day. Everybody brings in their humanness to a project. um, And we have to like leave a lot of grace for that. I think Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. With doing mural work, you're being brought in to design a space. Like you're creating emotions in a sense, or it's like you're not creating emotions, but you're creating work that will evoke a particular yeah. feeling. And so I'm curious, how much does even your color choices and your design and your shapes, how much of these things are unconscious or how much of these things are part of your conscious decision making? Mm. When you're creating I'm smiling because that's such a sweet <laughs> question. I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, touching my heart. Uh, I like that question. I think, God, it is, it's something I think about all the time. Like what, what is the thing I'm applying to a wall? What's it feel like? And a word I always come back to as I'm creating a mural with my shapes is balance. Does it feel balanced? And I think if I always hone in on that, the fruit of balance is that it makes you feel a calmness. It makes you feel like a good energy. Uh, So in, And when I say balance, I mean both with shapes. So heavy shapes versus really tiny shapes, Mm -hmm. shapes that are grounded versus shapes that kind of dance up the wall. Same thing with color, warm tones, deeper warm tones versus lighter ones. I always sprinkle in black. I love the contrast of like black and white together, but that's also a balance, right? Black and white. Mm -hmm. So everything is about a, a balance between grounding, dancing, um, soft, dark. It needs both to exist well. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think the same about life too, right? Like we need balance. You need both. And I think the fruit of that can be joy and calm at the same time. I don't want people to walk into my space and just totally feel overwhelmed because mm-hmm. that can happen with color right too mm-hmm. especially like some pieces that are like overly rainbowy you get it's like too much energy and there's there's totally a time and a place for that in life and in art and in design but there's also a time and a place to need to feel calm and zen like there's enough space left over for your emotions and your own creativity to exist because the space didn't suck all that opportunity out for me mm-hmm. so it's just that for me. And some of that's just purely like design choices, you know, having an eye for like, how do you balance something? And then some of that is, I really do try to like make my shapes feel like, I I mean, anybody listening can't see my hands, but I'm like balancing them on each other. 
actually a sense of the shape if you were to tip it like they would all come kind of tumbling down Mm -hmm. like a little kid who makes a building out of blocks Um, I'm in the season with my artwork where I'm really excited about that visual and the tension that can kind of exist there and there's kind of like a there's an energy like you almost want to tip it and see what happens (laughs) Um, or there curiosity there but I like I'm thinking about all that when I'm making a mural. And then where where is there opportunity to play with the space? I love when people let me paint on their ducks and go into corners and like, oh, you let me paint on the floor? Cool. We can bring in dimensional shapes. That's I love I love a flat wall, but having dimension is way more exciting. I wanna like go up the rafts, I mm-hmm. rafters. I want to put little treats in unexpected spots and I want to use the shape of the room to dictate the flow and dance of the things that I'm placing inside of it. Cause they have to, they're in a relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. the artwork needs to be in a relationship with the space. So yeah, those are a few of the things I think about. Yeah, that's beautiful. I want to ask you a personal question then, you know, we're talking about play, we're talking about curiosity, you know, and I know that even the most creative minded of us, we still can't escape the day-to-day mundane. It it always finds its way back to us. There's a repetition to life uh, that can sometimes be comforting, but then it can also become monotony, you know, yeah. you know, the day-to-day, that mundane place. I'm curious about your own process, how do you keep your curiosity alive? How do you awaken or sustain the creativity and the curiosity when you're going through your day to day? Yeah, I'm fortunate enough where I've kind of set my my work rhythm up in a way where every day of my life looks entirely different. Mm-hmm. No, no two days look alike. So that's a huge part of how I maintain any sort of sort of playfulness for me is knowing that each day is different. I think in order to maintain like a mental space of playfulness, I really have to make sure I'm doing things that recharge me Mm -hmm. just like the average person. Um, For me, I really love physical activity. So running um, outside, especially I love nature. Anytime I can just get outside and do like a, a mindful run, meaning like I'm not, I don't care how fast I'm going which is usually I never care how fast I'm going. Um, But like, where am I making space for my brain to take things in instead of having to put things out? Uh, So whether that's running in silence and just kind of absorbing what's visually happening around me, taking in a podcast or music that's energizing me or like teaching me something new. And then I love a new route. My, My favorite running is when I'm traveling to a new space, maybe to go do a mural and I go on a run there. Those are the spots where I find I, I'm most energized, recharged, um, in tune with my own playfulness. I try to make a lot of space to stop and take photos if I'm interested in something, explore a path if I'm curious about it, not being too planful about what, what even that run needs to look like. And um, I think for me to maintain like a playful spirit is more about how am I caring for my soul and resting where I need to and recharging in ways I need to, too. Because I'd say the negative aspect of a lot of my work usually comes more in like a burnout territory Mm -hmm. than it does lacking inspiration or play. Um, I think that's at my core is playfulness. But if that gets stifled, it's more because I like burned myself out. 
not because I, it's my days are monotonous, but because I like pushed too hard and didn't stop and didn't say no. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. how I put that. Tell me about the Curiosity Studio. Yeah, good timing. I'm like just in the throes of building it with my friend Lauren. And essentially what it is, is an eight-week program that adults will come to once a week. And it's going to be a fusion of both analog art, which if that's a new word for folks, is just things you make with your hands, tactile versus digital. A fusion of that with also like mindful, intentional conversation in small groups identifying, exploring, being curious about things that make us us. Our identity, our wholeness, our spirits, our celebrations, our grievances, all the things that we need to explore in our personhood as we explore something very tactile with our hands. So, you know, like we sometimes use the word art therapy in like a group setting but with a really strong emphasis on exploring new mediums and creating a space where the objective is to combat creative block, to try something new, to have a space where the focus is on the process, making a mess more than it is a finished product. It's not a craft class. You're not going to probably leave with a finished thing. My hope is that you don't. My (laughs) hope is that you leave knowing how to use a tool that you became a little less intimidated by something that maybe felt scary before and that you're leaving with a thought on your mind, something that you want to keep thinking about, that you want to engage in more conversation with that has to do with your wholeness. And I say wholeness, I mean mind, body, spirit, all the things that make you a complicated, beautiful individual because I think there's a really big relationship between how we approach creating something with our hands out of our minds and how we understand and care for and explore ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even to take that a step further, how you explore and understand your relationship to others and the world and your place in the world. And I think all that is entirely intertwined and I want to give people space to explore it simultaneously in the context of art because mm-hmm. there's a lot of spaces that explore those conversations right yoga can explore it um for some people it's like a religious institution uh small group settings book clubs i want to do it in an art setting because i think that can be really therapeutic and energizing and combat creative block like you might come in here because you are a full-time creative and you're just stuck And I want this space to not solve that instantly, but to be a solution of many, Mm -hmm. a tool and a tool belt. Um, I don't think this is like the fix. Mm -hmm. I think it's an opportunity. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. We launch officially in January, but we're spending the fall exploring feedback from folks and how, what format we want this to look like. We're in the middle. I'm in the space right now. We're in the middle of stuffing it with weird art supplies and getting furniture and making all the marketing all that yummy stuff you have to do so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) well if i make my way to minneapolis i'll have to stop by there and yes (laughs) come teach a class yeah for sure 
Well, I read on your bio uh, on the Curiosity Studio website, and I loved what you said. You said that you have the spiritual gift of making a mess. Yes, <laughs> that is so true and that, always. <laughs> that may be one of my favorite statements I've ever heard said as far as like the spiritual life <laughs> and the creative life coming together. Yes. The spiritual gift of making a mess. I love it. Tell me about the interplay between spirituality and creativity for you. Yeah. Oh, that's such a big question. And I, I'll try to find like a succinct way to talk about it. For me, creating is uh, something I do out of a place of first and foremost, like it is largely tied to my joy. And I prefer the word joy to happiness because I think joy is, is deeper. It has to do with an intentionality. It's not just an emotion. And my joy is related to my spirit. It's tending to what are the things that make me come alive, paying attention to the things that give me energy, and leaving space for all those other emotions that contribute to joy that you maybe are a little not the first things you think about. Like, I think my joy is deeply related to the things that also cause me pain, make me grieve, make me tired and sad. My joy exists because I, because of how I tend to those things, but because those things also play a part in my, who I am as a person. Um, you have to have those juxtaposed emotions for one to exist. Mm. They can't, they can't live siloed lives. And so I think when I'm a, as somebody who I, I try to pay attention to like my full range of emotions and I have a full range of them every day. And when I make a light joke of my spiritual gift being making a mess, I, I also mean that very much of like who I am as a person, not just the way my studio and bedroom look, you know, <laughs> I've always been somebody who I, I live a lot in my head. And by that, I mean, like I've, I overthink things. I think deeply about everything each decision has a lot of weight to it um, and not in a way where I'm like walking around burdened, you know, with heavy shoulders, but that I, things have a lot of purpose to me and I apply a lot of meaning to things. And um, I don't see that as a negative. It's just something I kind of have to like navigate and deal with. And where do I need to hold things gently? Where do I need to let my, my grip loosen? And that's all my spirituality. Like that's, that's everything. What do I think about the universe, my place in it? H how does all that contribute to what I, how I engage with people, the way I relate to people, what I have to offer in an exchange? How does my art impact somebody else's moment, the story that they're living? I want my creative expression to to be an exchange of energy with somebody else, mm. whatever I'm putting on my canvas, I hope that when someone comes to my space, they have a sort of emotional reaction to it. But I don't want to dictate what that is. I want them to have all the space to decide what that is for themselves. But I do want there to be some sort of emotional, energetic exchange. And making art in murals is, is one way to do that. I've always been really naturally curious about anything that you can't see, like, you know, like the mysterious other, other world, other life of things. Some people call that God. Some people call that spirit. Some people don't have names for it. 
but I've ever since I was little I've always been really interested in anything I can't see and directly um, measure and prove uh, that stuff's important to me and I call that God and I don't prescribe to a specific religion but that's all um, a part of the bigger experience for me mm-hmm. so, yeah mm-hmm. I don't know if that directly answered your question but it's a it's complicated right it's a web sure. and everything's a big ball of yarn Before we conclude our conversation with Ashley Mary, I want to take a moment and let you know that if you are a visual artist, photographer, sculptor, or installation artist, we have a call for art now open until January 15th for the gallery at the upcoming The Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Gathering in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The link to this call for art is in the show notes of this episode. Also, tickets to attend The Breath and the Clay are now available at thebc2020.com. So you said to me that one of the types of people that inspire you are people who are vulnerable, especially if they can do it with humor. And we have a creative collective here in the podcast, and we just went through a book together. It was Madeline Ingalls' Walking on Water, if you've ever heard of that book. No, Um, I haven't. I'm going to add it to my little list I started. Yeah, well, in that book, she talks about how vulnerability is not always the most instinctual human trait. It's it's not always the most easy thing for some people to be vulnerable, you know? And because you, yeah, you, oh, entirely. You, you need to feel safe to be vulnerable. But I'm curious for you, talk to me about how vulnerability inspires you, especially if people can do it with humor. Yeah. Since I was little, I've been kind of a goon and (laughs) I've always really been drawn to anybody who has a fantastic sense of humor. And I think through just, you know, the process of growing up and being involved in law, I was always in settings with lots of different people, whether it be, you know, like in my childhood, I, I would have to go to certain houses to be watched before or after school with other kids who had to go to that house too, you know, like group babysitting. And <laughs> I was in a lot of scenarios growing up where I was had to be around a lot of new people. Um, so early on, learning skills of how to engage with people um, was a big part of just how I was raised. And I thankfully was extroverted. So those those um, experiences didn't overwhelm me. They energized me. But I found that uh, humor was this really great way to instantly help somebody feel a little bit more comfortable with you. If they could laugh with you, if you could make fun of yourself, if you could, um, you know, be be comfortable in a space where somebody laughs at you, I think people's guards come down. Mm-hmm. And I've always I've always loved making people laugh. I'm a laugher. Anybody who's really close to me knows the extent of that. <laughs> and it is, it's an energy bringer. It not only like makes people feel comfortable, but it like brightens a space to just make people laugh. So I found that vulnerability and humor are deeply tied. And um, I usually try to find any way when I first meet somebody, if I can just get them to laugh at something dumb, our conversation will happen a little bit easier. And um, there's a comfiness to humor 
Yeah, that's good. I feel a lot of things about it. Actually, one resource um, that I would encourage anybody to check out is Wayne White's documentary called Beauty is Embarrassing. Oh, I haven't seen that. He um, is responsible for a lot of the sets and puppets on Pee-wee's Playhouse, which I I grew up completely enamored with Pee-wee's Playhouse. And uh, (laughs) it it probably makes sense knowing that when then you see my artwork. But he's a fantastic artist who's totally still around making really weird stuff. But he has this great quote in his movie about humor being really sacred. And he uses that word. And I remember really resonating with it. And for me spirituality vulnerability is entirely intertwined with humor and laughter which then is intertwined with play like all those things are what i want to be about and what i hope to contribute to this space this world Mm -hmm. that's so good check that out it will make you laugh cry and and he's wildly creative so i love yeah um that documentary has meant a lot to me Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me on Makers and Mystics. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I already feel much more joyful having spoken to you. (laughs) Good. Thank you. uh, Anytime I can have a conversation like this is super energizing to my day, so I'm excited to paint after this and see see what comes out. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. We would like to extend a special thank you to our patrons and supporters who make the production of these episodes possible. Patrons of the podcast can enjoy an additional interview segment with Ashley and myself on book recommendations for curiosity. Music for this episode was provided with permission by Monkey Warhol and Carrie Atida. We'll see you again next week. And in the meantime, keep creating. The world needs your art. <laughs>